0: what's going on guys welcome to another episode of eastern current sorry that i did not get a podcast out last week it was a it was a busy week of work my son was sick my wife was a little sick and uh it just kind of the week flew by and didn't get one out but um i did uh put out some patreon content for those of y'all on patreon if you did not uh, already check that out definitely go check it out and if you're not on patreon um a bunch of extra content over there great way to support uh the the podcast and and whatnot so i do appreciate everyone over there for sure uh, I want to thank Marshware and AFCO, uh, sponsors of this podcast, uh, as well as iStrike Strike Fishing, a um, bunch of great companies that have a uh, have some great great products out there. So definitely go check them out. Um, today we are going to uh, talk with a good friend, Mason Porter. Um, he's a he's a charter captain here in Wilmington as well. Haven't had as many guests on lately, so super excited to have Mason on. We've been talking for a while about about doing a podcast together, and and my this organization, we just haven't made it happen. But I texted him today, and I said, "Hey, man, can you do a podcast tonight?" And he said, "Definitely." So uh, stoked that it worked out. And I'm going to go ahead and introduce y'all to Mister Mason Porter. What's up, man?
1: What's going on, dude?
0: Oh, nothing much. Thanks for coming on and, and doing this with me.
1: Of course. Are you Glad are you nervous?
0: Here. Are you nervous to talk in front of the camera? Oh,
1: a little bit. A little <laughs> bit. I ain't to lie. It's,
0: it's a, a good. A good nervous. It's a good nervous man. It means it means you're going to be honest. I like it. I like it, but yeah, um, exactly. but yeah, man, uh, stoked to have you on here. Why don't we start out, uh, kind of tell people your background, where you grew up, how you got into fishing, uh, and kind of how it's brought you to to becoming a charter captain here in, in Wilmington.
1: Yeah, so I am uh, born and raised here in Wilmington. Uh, most of y'all know that, but uh, so I grew up in the in the Porter's Neck, you know, Ogden area. Um, grew up bass fishing, just like you know a lot of people did rim fishing um i'd say when i was probably 10 or 12 i started getting into the saltwater fishing fishing with some buddies some buddies dads and uh just just loved it man and then when i when i turned 16 uh my dad had a john boat so with a little 60 mercury on the back and uh i would drag that thing down to the water in between classes and stuff and go throw some top waters didn't do a whole lot of live bait fishing back then i uh did a lot of fishing by myself, covered a lot of water, hit a lot of sandbars. <laughs> yeah. Some oyster <laughs> and, uh, bars next time. Yeah, and then uh, you know, I went I went I did the marine technology at Cape Fear Community College and uh, I enjoyed it, but just wasn't feeling it and right. after that I kinda just decided I said I'm I'm gonna go for it. And uh, twenty seven now and I've been doing it for about three years. But this is the first year I'm doing it full-time. Nice. So looking forward to it. Heck, yeah, man. That's that's awesome.
0: Um, I've shared on here a lot of times, but, man, I, I, people always ask me. Um, and you get a lot of salty old fishing captains or guides, and people always ask me, you know, like, how do I get into guiding? And, and I'm just a, such a huge advocate and supporter of, like, you know, there might be a lot of captains in, in your area or, you know, whatever area you're you're, you're from, but there's always room for, like, good guys, good, good fishing captains. Yeah. And not necessarily, I'm not saying like, Oh, they catch a ton of fish. I'm just saying, you know, just good people that, that run a good business and are, yeah. are relational. And, um, I'm just a huge advocate for life short. You know, if you want to be on the water fishing and guiding, like I think yeah. everyone should freaking do it. Cause it's an awesome job. Um, and, and so yeah. super stoked that you're, that you're doing it full time now. Um, uh, you said it's been, this is the, the first year of, of full time guiding.
1: Yeah. Yep, first year so i'm uh i'm breaking myself in heck yeah <laughs> but, uh, uh you, you've won you've won uh some of the local tournaments haven't you some of the local
0: fishermen's post tournaments yeah
1: we've we've been we've been fortunate a couple of times to uh have some fish cooperate um nice Couple with the fishermen's posts and i fish those just uh you know almost like a day off yeah you know get the family get the brothers and cousins out there and get to catch a few fish myself and you know, if we luck up and catch one, seven over seven pounds. These days, you got to have a seven and a half to win. It seems. Yeah,
0: like. yeah, it, it's crazy. Uh, I remember there was a tournament that you fished in. This was before we really know each other. So me and Mason, we have our fa- our families are, are good friends. Or my wife's family and your family are good friends. And, and we were fishing this tournament, and me and my buddy Ben, and we we were on the school of redfish, and the, needed the low tide in the morning. We had it, and we started catching a bunch of fish, and I had just bought a new electric scale, electronic scale, and weighed this fish. It was like a flounder redfish, I think, was the tournament. Um, or maybe yeah. two red no, it was a single redfish, single single biggest redfish, single flounder, and then like an aggregate or something like that. Yeah. And so we started catching a bunch of redfish and we had maybe eleven or twelve fish to the boat, and then we caught one that was like a little over seven and a half pounds on the scale. <laughs> and we looked at it and I was like, that doesn't look like a seven and a half pound fish. But, you know, the new electronic scale says it's seven and I found. So we're like, dude, we've got this in the back. Like, we're going to win this. Oh, and yeah. threw him in the live well. And we, at that point, I, I like to think I've gotten better at flounder fishing since then. But man, then we're like, good, because we need the rest of the day to go try to catch a nice flounder. And we yeah. worked our butts off and fished hard and um, caught a couple dinky flounder. But we're like, all right, we're not going to win the flounder part, but we're going to have the biggest redfish. And we got there and it was like five, nine. When we put it on the scales at Fisherman's <laughs> Post, I was like, I knew that fish was not big enough. And we we were like thinking we were going to, you know, win the whole tournament. We, we didn't even place in like the top top 12. Um, and I think that tournament you had second, or maybe you had, I think you had first actually in that tournament. I can't remember if it, it uh, if you yeah. did. It, it was the Wrightsville Beach one. Have you, do you win the Wrightsville Beach one like five years ago?
1: <laughs> Can you no, remember? I mean, we maybe placed, uh, we won two last year. We won the first. We started off hot. Won uh, won the, the Ocean Isle caught caught a late fish at like two thirty, man, um, out there near Oak Island, and it was just a, a freak. It was like seven point six one pounds. Nice. Um, just a beautiful fish, but um, yeah. And then we came back, bounced back in the top. So we had we had a good year last year. We didn't finish strong, but I always. Seems like later in the year, I got some kind of curse in September, October that I can't can't find the uh the right ones. But
0: it's so transitionary that time of year, man. Like a lot of those bigger fish, I feel like September, October slide out in the ocean here. At least at yeah. least it feels like that in my spots. So or they go sit on the inlets or areas that are much harder to like, you know, tournament fish for them or, or catch them. Um, you either go yeah, you go to those spots and catch like thirty fish, or you go to those spots and catch one. You know, so. Um, I guess that's any any spot that you that you redfish, but uh, but yeah, that that that's a tough time of year for me too. Sometimes it's like you can have them dialed in one day and they're completely yep. gone or somewhere else the next day. So
1: that, that seems like how it is for me every every day. Yeah. <laughs> here here in one spot one day, the next spot.
0: Yeah, it's there. like Plan C or D that always comes together.
1: <laughs> it is, yeah, or even even further than that.
0: It's uh, that's why it's good, man, to have. I always try to go into a, a day with, especially like, especially bait fishing of having quite a few plans. Like when I'm fishing artificials, it's like, you know, I'm going to throw top water in the morning and I'm going to, you know, you know, kind of go through my routine and I usually focus yep. for myself a little bit around sight fishing, um, around a lower tide. But when I'm bait fishing, I've learned, like, I like to have crab i like to have shrimp if i can i like to have menhaden mul- like as much bait as i can have, have deep water spots shallow water spots
1: yeah
0: because um, there's been times i've set in a spot and like for me lately chunk pogey has been working really well for redfish in the river and yeah. then the other day i i've just got crushed on the i didn't catch anything on the pogies um but we're catching i had cast netted some live shrimp and was fishing just i was putting live shrimp on the hook not fishing it like live just putting it on there like fresh shrimp um yeah and that's what i was catching fish on and on the pogies but i just think it's it's an important part of it or do you you, you kind of try to be diverse like that with the bait
1: yeah i definitely uh i try to load the bait up even if i don't use it you know you have it for the next day um you know i'll I'll bring go to the sea view and get you know six or ten dead dead blue crabs yeah Um, you know i'll have fiddler crabs on the boat most of the time um shrimp you know for the kids and you know for we have to go croaker fishing, but sometimes the kids like like to do that, man. Yeah, definitely. Never, never. Uh, have no experience, so. Um, but yeah, I try to load up on menhaden. Fortunately, down south, there's been menhaden you know, in the first and second bay pretty much since late March, early yeah, April. it's been pretty easy to catch.
0: The pelicans have been, even the pelicans haven't been diving uh, on it. It's it's just it's a blind casting you can get them. Um,
1: uh, got a favorite bird for sure. Yeah,
0: for sure. Uh, well when, when me and Mason were talking before we started recording um, we, were, we he brought up something that I thought would be a, kind of a good topic or, or, or discussion point for this podcast and that was um, how how his confidence is kind of at a higher tide fishing for these redfish especially um, you know bait fishing but as well as as throwing artificial so you know I feel like for some people or a lot of people that, that reach out asking for us to talk about certain things on this on this podcast, a lot of times it's it's targeting fish at higher tide, and how you know where do I look and and what do I do? So take me kind of through. Well, first off, like what are you looking for in a spot uh, when you're trying to you know target red? We'll talk about redfish for the most part, but when you're targeting redfish yeah. at high tide.
1: Um. So I'm sure you've probably said this, but I mean, low. T- I mean, if you're out there at low tide, that's a great time to do your high tide. You know, high tide scouting. For yeah, me. definitely. Um, cause I mean, you know, a lot of the spots that I fish on high tide, I can't really, I can't really get into, you know, the eight inches of water on low tide to, um, to fish those fish. But, um, yes, yeah, so I, I mean, I, on high tide, you know, I'm typically fishing anywhere from two foot of water to, to four, maybe, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, a lot of times fishing, fishing an oyster point, um, a cove, um, and I, uh, I throw a popping court a lot of times. Um, I'll put a probably two, two and a half foot a liter, sometimes less, sometimes more. You know, I like to mix it up, have a few longer ones, a few shorter ones. Yeah, for sure. But, um, yeah, a few split shots and a four alt circle hook. And uh, yeah, just, when- just cover, cover the area.
0: On that rig, real quick. Uh, so you. Are you when you're putting your tie onto the cork and you, you've got that leader? Are, are you trying to set your bait just above the bottom on the bottom? Like, does that have to do with with your leader length at all? Do you
1: feel feel like? Yeah, um, I mean, you know, at some some of the spots I fish, like you know, there's a there's a cove and then there's a a point inside the cove where you know a, a little grass edge that sticks out. You know, a lot of times those those points and and edges like that, you know, they have oyster rocks on them. So, um, yeah, I, uh, I like my bait just above the – I like my bait swimming. You know, I don't yeah. want it into the oysters. Um, I feel like if that pogey or, or mullet is uh, swimming, I feel like it's better. Yeah, I agree. Better for track fish, you know.
0: I agree. And it, it's, you know, a lot of times fishing Carolina rigs or something like that, especially in, in our river, you know, the Cape Fear, as well as many other coastal rivers up and down the East Coast, you deal with that freaking weight getting wedged into oysters every cast, you know? Oh yeah.
1: Um, yeah.
0: It's a tough, it's a tough, uh, you know, I get some clients that don't mind me if I'm bait fishing, kind of setting the baits out and getting them in, in the areas that I want them. But yeah. sometimes when I'm fishing like a float rig and you got that long leader, but the people really want to cast and you're like, they get they throw it out there but it's not quite where you know it needs to be like it can be so specific bait fishing like if you're not two feet off that bank or two feet you know off that oyster bar you're not getting yeah. bit
1: um yeah so yeah so I, uh one thing i can add on there is you know wind's a factor especially with the popping corks like you said when you're throwing them you can't throw those things to win i mean right. maybe me you can can get them there you know but a lot of people um, struggle with that. They throw it high and it comes right back at, you know, it yeah, comes right yeah. back. Oh back. Yeah, it Happens to me too on those uh, things, man. You know, high water, you know, kind of windy day. I mean, a lot of times it's blowing in the summertime. You know, I try my best to keep the wind at my back. Yeah. Um, that is, and it seems to work out, you know, I mean, I may try to fish a spot that's, that's kind of protected a little bit. Um, but I try to keep the wind out my back for multiple reasons. You know, you can just fish further away from the fish and you know you you know if your clients can't quite get it there at least the wind may eventually push it push it up in there but um i think that's that's important (laughs)
0: yeah yeah some people and that's fine that's great i but but that's key i think is getting upwind from it you can keep a tighter line too you know when you're when you're upwind and uh, i think one of the beautiful things about fishing the cork and i never really bait fished with a cork much until maybe two or three years ago is the fact that you can also turn around and use that in a scenario where you can cover water with it. Like if you've got some current moving down a bank, you can throw that cork up there, leave your bale open a little bit, and, and let that cork drift through a zone and, and cover more water. Uh, one thing that I've, I've really learned you know, doing some sight fishing and doing some bait fishing uh, is how these fish, there's some areas where they, they lay up and they sit on banks and they sit in areas and they don't move very much. And then there's other yep. shorelines and banks at certain tides where they're really cruising and moving down that bank, uh, yep. and, and so with that being said, like when I think about my bait fishing, you know, I try to think about those. I think back about those banks. I'm like, all right, at a lower tide, what were these fish doing on it? Were they wanting to kind of lay up off the bank a little ways? And it's all different, but it's like um, it, it's kind of driven me to, driven me to. My sight fishing has kind of created the type of bait fisherman that I am how long yeah. do you think you or what's your kind of routine you roll up into a spot you throw some baits out how long until you move you know if you don't get bit or if you do get bit when when do you move like what what? how does that kind of play yeah. out for you
1: man i i give it i give it 15 20 minutes yeah um you know if i feel like the tide's not quite right um you know i may sit there longer but usually i mean it's all about timing you know you you know if you think the tide's not quite right in a spot then you know go try you know go try a spot don't rush don't rush a spot you know um you know go hit another spot if you feel like the water needs to come up a little bit a little bit more um but yeah i mean i give it i give it 15 minutes if i hadn't had a bite i'll throw some different baits um keep a fresh bait on always um, there's been tons of times where i've they lose a bait or they got a semi dead bait on there and i you know guys let's reel them up and let's put some fresh ones on there you know you throw it back out there and one hops on it yeah pretty much um but it's
0: funny how they can be that picky. (laughs)
1: they they can man and i mean and i mean reds move you know they move around in the spot i feel like i mean i feel like when they're around a point or something they're just kind of moseying around but you know there's times where you can throw it you can miss them by you know 10 20 feet you know if you're not throwing right on right in that corner or the or the point then you won't you won't get them
0: yeah um, so. I've definitely seen that that be the case too and, and and throwing artificials to them like in a sight fishing scenario. You know, I look at it and and try to learn from my bait fishing as far as fishing a fresh bait. And as far as a redfish knows, when it sees an artificial, I mean, it thinks it's a live bait. Like, obviously, it's yeah. not like, oh, that's like a, a good-looking artificial. I'm going to eat it. And and for me, if, I, if I'm if i swimming a bait and a redfish is interested in it, like, let's say it's a paddle tail. And I'm hopping it or I'm swimming it. And if I, you know, let it sit still, a lot of times that fish will, will spook off of it or blow off of it or, or kind of nose up and not eat it. And yeah. I think that sometimes that can be maybe the same scenario with like a pretty dead live bait, to where it's like it's kicking, and they maybe this is maybe just thinking way too much into this, but yeah. you know if they if they turn off of a paddle tail that you kill and, and stop reeling, like I, I could assume if a bait's kind of just laying there, pretty dead, that they might not eat it. So, but then again, they eat chunk bait, so maybe that theory is completely I mean, if shot.
1: It's, if it's, I like I I prefer a fresh dead bait's better than like. You know, one that's been sitting in the live well dead for a couple hours, I oh, yeah. think. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, especially with the Minhaden. If you got, you know how the Minhaden are, they'll stiffen up. But if he just died, he's still good and oily. and Yeah. Um, those tend to work better. But live bait for sure. Keep a lively one on there and
0: you'll be accurate. better
1: off. <laughs> how do you feel about
0: freezing bait? Like if you've got leftover Minhaden, do you feel as confident freezing it and cutting it and throwing that out there?
1: I I've never done that before um i've never frozen bait before I, I i try to try to cast net it or go out early ahead of time and, and get it if i can yeah. but it's probably good i mean especially in the winter time you know in november december when it's probably a good thing to have some cut up mullet you know to throw at some fish later in the year yeah and, when that
0: bait's not around that's the yeah, tough but, thing this time of year there's so many choices for them. there's so much freaking bait around it's like if your bait doesn't, you know, doesn't seem all that fresh, it's like, why not just go eat this other mud minnow that's laying over here?
1: <laughs> those mullet though, they stay around. I mean, it seems like they stick around sometimes. What late, late November? Yeah. Mid November, and um, sometimes later, sometimes earlier, I reckon.
0: But especially those big ones. Like you can find those big ones in the dead of winter in areas. Yeah. Um, and with that being said, I, I, I've done. I mean, on big bull drum and whatnot, like chunked big hardhead mullet. So I know yeah. if you if you went and cast in a bunch of those and took care of them and froze them and then in the dead of right. winter kind of cut those up, I think they'd probably work pretty well. Manhattan just kind of suck, though, when you freeze them. I've frozen them. Yeah. I've frozen them. I've even put them on ice to save the grouper fish the next day before, and and they just they get so soft and mushy so quick.
1: Um, Does Hannah let you put them in the, uh, in the freezer in the house? No, i I got to deep freeze
0: them. Uh, I got a little deep freezer out back that I haven't beat up too bad. I've backed my freaking outboard on my skiff into it a couple times in, the, in my garage, but it still works. So uh, it's a uh, it it's pretty it's pretty bad because sometimes too, like I'll clean some fish at the house, and I don't want to run them down to the water or throw them in the trash can, so I just put them in a bag. So it's like got all these bags of fish carcasses in it. Every couple months, I'll have to just like clean it all out, take them to a dumpster, and drop them off. But um, yeah, Midhaden, I don't think she would like those in the in the inside freezer. No, so, they're rough, man. They are rough. Even frozen, man, they stink.
1: <laughs> I've, I've
0: made that mistake a few times. So you were talking about kind of the areas that you like to target, points, coves, and stuff like that. I, I think yep. a lot of people struggle with, and maybe not struggle, but uh, understanding what we're talking about when we say a point or a cove, or like what is a big enough point, or what is a big enough cove, like... When you're looking for that, maybe on a map or when you're on the water, yeah. you know how
1: specific you know does that point or how big does that
0: point have to be or that cove yeah. or or whatnot.
1: Well, I, yeah, I mean it's more of a cove. You know, you see pockets. Yeah. Um, I I don't fish. I mean, I do fish pockets, but I feel like a cove is you know an area, you know that's forty to fifty yards at least. Yeah. You know, yeah. sometimes more than that. Um, from point to point, uh-huh. and uh, you know, typically I don't, you know, it's usually a flat that I'm fishing. You know, an area yeah. that's got you know on low tide's got basically no water, but you know, as as we get mid tide, you know, you know some water pushes up in there, and um, yeah, I'll I'll start on the points. You know, a cove and you got points on either side. I'll start on the points, um, and I'll, I'll fish up in the cove as well. Um, Cause a lot of times there's you know, there's oyster bars and stuff lined along the along the edges. But I definitely start on the outside and kind of, you know, if I'm fishing a cove, I try to stay, stay as far away from it. You know, I don't want to get too deep up in the cove because right. usually it's shallow water. You know, the further you go up in the cove, um, and sometimes those reds, you know, they'll be sitting. They're not necessarily on the bank. Sometimes when it's that shallow,
0: they'll sit off the bank. Good bay, yeah.
1: Yes, yeah, so you try to make you know make a few casts in the cove before you just you know bust up in there just to see if they're not scattered out. But um, I mean, they're they're usually structure. You know, I mean, they're usually sitting near an oyster rock or definitely or somewhere like that um it seems so like too like,
0: even even that broken up oyster you know like it might not necessarily be a big solid wad of oysters but like those co like in those coves that you're talking about you've got the little broken up little bits of oyster in there too exactly. it
1: seems like that it seems like that's what's in those coves it almost
0: holds them in there
1: yeah um, yeah a lot of times you can't see you know you can't see them on high tide they're covered up but right. those are the areas those are the areas you want to to at least start start at definitely um
0: especially if that cove's got like a little creek mouth draining into it like a little small little drain with some shrimp sliding out of it when that tide starts falling
1: that always that always always helps um for sure i can describe
0: all these spots on the podcast like make it sound like oh man i gotta go find a spot like that but then a lot of times i'll go i'll pull up to a new spot that looks just like how i describe what you need and go in there and
1: get zeroed on it but that... Well, you just said that and i had a spot that popped in my mind like just like that like <laughs> falling tide little creek mouth got some oyster rocks in the back of a cove and it uh it what dreams are made of it,
0: it's uh man it, it, it is crazy I, I say on this podcast a good bit um that it and like we were talking about like sitting in a spot 10 15 maybe 20 minutes and moving is so important with bait um you know, Because with artificials, you're covering more water less yeah. effectively. With bait, you're you're covering less water more effectively is kind of how I look at it. Um, yeah. and, and so moving constantly and, and having a lot of spots to hit I think is so important with bait. Uh, it's so easy to kind of get hung up on something that you've caught fish at before or you're like, God, this is supposed to happen. They were freaking in here yesterday. Like why are we not we're catching them? And then you get pissed off and you sit there too long or – not, but, yeah. but making those small moves like those fish are creatures of habit but they might change those those transitions just a little bit and so one thing i've started yeah. doing this year is like small moves on a bank like if i feel like it's fishy and i've caught fish there it's like all right i fished yeah. this little pocket for a little bit i'm going to slide out to this creek mouth then i'm going to slide to this oyster point and kind of work my way up and down a bank yeah. you know okay. give or take a couple hundred yards is that something that you like to do as well
1: yes yeah i mean i especially if i feel confident that the area's got fish in it um i mean there's a lot of days and and down you know i fish sport fisher a lot but down there it doesn't i mean there may be a school in low tide i i don't i don't do much you know flats fishing on low tide but um it just seems like they're groupy they're groupy down there yeah um you know you'll 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 fish a spot one day you know, catch four or five, you know, good fish, and then you'll go back the next day, and, and there's there's not a fish there. Right. Um, but you know, you slide you slide down, you know, like you said, a hundred yards to the next point, um, and and that group that same group of fish is allowed to be sitting there. For sure. Um, so it just uh, yeah, I definitely like to move around, try to do it as quiet as possible, you know. Yeah. Um, but.
0: Are you, you know, a trolling motor and power pole like pretty heavily?
1: yeah i try to stay off the troll motor as much as i can um you know if it's blowing I, I mean i will pull up to a spot with my motor my big motor you know if there's very very cautiously though usually with the wind at my back um you know i mean you know fish are less spookier seem to be when the, when it's blowing 20 yeah. 25 out there yeah but um Little i will use aware. my big motor sometimes but a lot of times yeah i'm using the wind using my troll motor and uh Trying to trying to put the poles down at all, at all costs for multiple reasons. <laughs> yeah, I've had I've had a, quite a few lines get tangled in the troll. I had fishing. that happen today. It was bad, man. <laughs> it, it
0: it almost broke a, the dude's custom rod.
1: It was bad. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, fishing up current or something, and those people are throwing forward. Um, yeah, I've had it happen a handful of times, but so that's why I try to stick the poles down if I can. Um, they're quieter, keep you where you need to be, and
0: um, yeah, you you running double power poles?
1: No, I I won't I won't doubles. Yeah. but uh, I'm hoping I'm hoping I'm hoping to upgrade um to, to a bay boat here here in the next couple of years. It's a, such a weird time right now with the boats, dude. But, it's
0: it's a terrible time to buy a boat right now. It, it is. sucks. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm jealous.
1: Like Jeff Wolf
0: down there, man, running the. You can just it really does especially if you've got a large party of people but even even yeah. if it was just yourself fishing to be able to yeah. angle that boat correctly and, and and more so when you're throwing an artificial i think it doesn't matter as much as when you're trying to set yeah. out a spread of baits cuz when yeah. you can get that boat at the exact right cadence like that exact right angle to where yeah. you, all your rod holders are facing where you need them and you can kind of spread those baits up and it's it's pretty awesome and it looks pretty badass when you've got the two power poles back by the motor <laughs> yeah
1: and, I mean, I will, uh, you know, I'll put my poles down, put my power pole down, and, you know, if I can keep my troll motor on two or something like that and kind of angle, you know, pull the front end so that, you know, we can have better. The better angle. Better casting angle. I've I thought about doing
0: now. that. I've never done that. I, I need to try that.
1: Yeah. I mean, I just try to keep it as low as I can and, and stay off the banks as much as possible. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Yeah.
0: It's, uh, it's funny, man. It's, you know, we, we talk about this stuff all the time on the podcast and, um, everyone's kind of got their different little style of how you approach. Like for me, the same, I like to kind of kill it, drift in with the wind if I can, or troll a motor in, or I'll troll a motor way out off the bank. Like I might be going 50 yards, but it'll be like a 150 yard trip because I'm going out off the bank and then kind of directly back in then killing, killing the troll motor and drifting in as far as I can, dropping the powerful, um,
1: yeah, and your customers looking at you like, "Are we gonna fish today or what?" <laughs> right, exactly,
0: exactly. Like, trust
1: me, guys. We don't, don't want to get up in here. And, we don't
0: want to get up in here.
1: Make it not worth it. Um, so being
0: that you like to fish at high tide, um, it, do you do you fish when you're you you said you're usually fishing floats? Do you find that you're fishing Carolina rigs or any type of weighted rig at all, bait fishing?
1: Um, man, not typically. I try to I try to stay away from the Carolina rigs at high tide um there are some spots at high tide that i I do fish carolina rigs um but it just seems like when you're fishing those flats and stuff you just get hung up so bad with the with the carolina rigs Um, but you know once the tide starts dropping down you know i'll I'll drop back to some points and stuff in some deeper water um and that's where i'll bust out the the carolina rigs and, and let them soak
0: yeah um, how often are you recasting your court uh, when you're sitting there i mean are you are you a lot of the areas i guess when you're tucking into those coves and you cast up there that bait's able to sit for a while and maybe not get swept away
1: yeah i mean i don't let a bait sit longer than unless i can vis visually see the the po some pogey or whatever i mean you can't tell a mudman is on the right right But well, you can see the pogey swimming around typically um you know if i see that and he's still in the strike zone I'll, I'll let it soak for you know five seven minutes yeah um
0: pick it up but, here, guys. that's all i am you
1: know, if, it's, if it starts drifting out of the strike zone drifting the bank then i will uh you know i'll, I'll tell the guys to, to reel them in and let's get it get it back up on that grass because that's generally where they are you know yeah. five five feet off the grass unless there's you know an oyster bar or something they're sitting on top of and Usually they're right. I'm keeping that popping court right on the grass.
0: It's uh it's crazy, man. I've recently put a a little tower on my bay boat and I can get up on the high tide and look down into the edge of the grass. And the amount of fish that swim down a bank but in the grass at those high tides is is mind blowing. Like most of them are in the grass, like right on the edge of the grass. Yeah,
1: they're they're coming out to eat
0: they're yeah they're coming out to eat i guess it's you know that's probably where the bait is that's where they feel protected but and and that being said there's still a lot of fish like right on that edge too but um yeah like you said it's got to be something special to kind of pull them off of that that shoreline when the tide's low yeah or when the tide's would, high
1: yeah yeah either there's a either there's a wad of them there or or he's just that hungry right
0: but, do you um, do you uh or, sorry, what what kind of rods do you like to fish? What kind of reels do you like to fish? Uh, as far as size size and everything, uh, when you're fishing um, floats.
1: I mean, I go I go super light, super light tackle. It's a most of mine are uh, seven foot uh, HMG fin wicks. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had a bunch of those lately, and they and they're good. They're good rods for yeah, me. Yeah, that's I what use, I
0: fish. Uh, I fish HMG fin wicks.
1: I use a lot of the pin battles. Um, I don't like the pin battles for the for the artificial, and I feel like when you're casting all day, um, I feel like it wears on the battles. Like you're, you're, uh, you're real stiffen up a little bit. Um, but for live bait, the pin battles are perfect. Um, I usually throw 20. I've been throwing some 30-pound braid on there. Yeah. Just because, I don't know, it makes me feel a little bit better. Yeah, why not,
0: right? If you got, if it's going to a float. Yeah, I
1: don't think I don't think using twenty pounds is gonna catch you any more fish. No, and you look <laughs> at
0: the bass dudes that throw jigs and frogs and stuff. They're fishing like sixty and eighty pound braid. So yeah, you know we can get away with it. And there a lot of times they're tying that braid straight to a frog. Yeah. So, but
1: uh, I will say when I when I'm throwing the popping cork, one thing I do is, especially when you're throwing the minnow earlier in the year, on the popping cork is uh, a lot of times you know that is swimming in circles. Constantly. Right. Um, so a lot of times, if, if you tie your braid directly to your cork, um, a lot of times you'll bring it in and your braid will be twisted all around your cork. Um, so I, I think I read this online somewhere. I just tie a little little short piece of leader above the cork.
0: Yeah.
1: Like a 12-inch leader, you know, 20 or 30, whatever, and that keeps it. I guess it's just a stouter line right above it, so it keeps it From less wrapping. less. Tingly. Um, and it still will tangle up on you sometimes but I mean that braid will tie itself in a knot in no time yeah so. it will
0: I've, I've had that happen to me a lot too and I've learned the hard way a couple of times of, of ha- needing that extra leader and I've started fishing a lot of times I'll, sometimes I'll fish slip floats sometimes I'll fish popping corks sometimes I'll fish like those peg floats whether it be like yep. the little clasp ones that you clamp or just like one that you shove a and you, know, you slide on the line and shove a little mm-hmm. insert down into it um, yeah and we, uh, I, I've I've learned the hard way before with that, you know, not having yeah. that extra leader, and it wraps up and breaks on the cork or whatnot, or I've had to actually break a popping cork um, in Louisiana one time on a big red fish, probably a couple times on some big red fish down there.
1: Uh, well, I pulled the swivel, I the swivel broke swivel on this, it. Broke or-
0: the. I can't remember if it was the. It actually broke the. What's the material called on the flexy popping corks? that don't actually, like, hold a kink in them. You know what I'm talking about?
1: Yeah, I know, yeah I, know, I do know what you're talking about. I have no idea what what it is, though. So, like, the – here's another
0: term I can't remember right now. The – what's it called when you clamp the metal thing around, like, a piece of wire? Oh,
1: a split shot? Not
0: a split shot. It's <laughs> it's like a – it's like a such – it's not even a fishing term. It's a uh, – like you run a wire through one side of it, bend it back through yeah. the other side, and then you clamp that piece down, the metal piece. Oh my gosh, this is gonna drive me crazy.
1: Like a, like a crimp. Crimp, like a, yeah. Uh, the
0: a crimp. So like it broke. I don't know. Yeah, yeah no, the, it's crimp is what I was thinking. I just couldn't remember it for some reason. Um. So the like the piece of that material that was crimped, at the corner of it, I've had that break where like the line will it's wrap okay. around that and a fish will eat it and come tight and yeah. break it. Um, I know it's now so it that is that is a, a very important deal especially i feel like if you're targeting bigger fish like tarpon or big bull redfish where they have the power to break it you know a 15 to 21 inch redfish probably isn't going to break that but but it, it could it could break the line for sure you know when it gets yeah. if it gets on a sharp edge on that cork or whatnot um
1: yeah i would definitely say spend the money on the on the nicer popping corks you know the i like the cajun thunders yeah um know i have some cheaper ones too but the nicer ones definitely are are worth the worth the four or five dollars that you pay for them i believe yeah for sure
0: so tell me this um there's about a million types of popping cork you know as far as brands but also shape um and noise and actually before this actually no i'm just gonna ask you both questions at once but so like what is your preference as far as you know what kind of cork do you like for bait fishing for redfish and then too, like, do you are you popping that cork at all while it's sitting out there to try to draw attention to your bait?
1: Yeah, um, I mean, I like just the regular, like oval, I guess oval shape. Yeah, kinda, it's like
0: a ball shaped, like a yeah, yeah ball shape. Yep,
1: and that uh, I mean, the Cajun Thunder is the one that I use a lot, and uh, yeah, I. Uh, Hold on, lost, lost train of thought. No, no, you're
0: good. The, do you pop? Do you end up popping that cork much at all? Or are you more so letting it sit
1: there? Um, so yeah, I do pop it, uh, especially with a mud minute. I feel like the mud minnow can get down there deep sometimes and kind of get tucked away. Yeah. So I feel like every now and then you give it a pop, and um, definitely, and that helps it. You know, that helps it from tangling up too. You know, keeping your line tight. Um, definitely. Yeah, you know, I tell customers that a lot of time, just so they'll keep slack out of their line is to you know every 10 or 12 seconds give it a little pop you know reel up and pop and that uh you know that prevents a lot of tangling as well so definitely pop it from from time to time when here's a question that i have because i have clients ask me this
0: and i really don't know so how important do you think it is to have a tight line on a redfish when it eats a bait with a circle hook you know, what I mean, is it okay to have like a rod and a rod holder with some slack in it, and a and a minhaden sitting there, or do you need to yeah. have it directly tight?
1: From my from my experience, I I, I think the longer you give him on a circle hook, I mean,
0: yeah, with bait.
1: Yeah, I, I don't think it hurts. Um. So yeah, I mean, I've 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 put my rod in, in Rodney, you know, I've I've gone like nine for nine on redfish, you know. And the, the rod <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. When you got it
0: in your hand and you feel them starting to eat it, you're like, "Oh, start reeling into them too early." Yeah,
1: I, I think that's, uh, you know, when it hurts is when you when you soon as it goes down, you pull it, and it just depends on you know how the fish eats it. You know, if he gets it good, swallows it, then a lot of times you're gonna get them. However, however you do it, but right. you don't want a whole lot. Of, I mean, you just don't want a whole lot of slack though, because you know then he wraps you around a oyster rock and for sure. And breaks you off, so or eats
0: it and drags that weight into like an oyster. Like you're talking,
1: um, yeah. How do you how do you like to fish your drag? So not super tight. Um, I've I've kind of teeter tottered with it. Um, you know, you know, a big fish hits it, and, and you know there's an oyster bar that he's sitting right on right above. You know, shaking his head. Um, I think sometimes it's it's a it's the right idea to loosen it up a little bit and let yeah. it – even if he does run in the grass a little bit, I don't like him deep in the grass. That's, ne- that's never a good thing. No. But, um, you know, I, I feel like sometimes if you set your drag too tight, you know, and you're putting too much pressure on the fish, if that, if that braid nicks, a nicks an oyster bar at all, you know, it's, it's going to cut you. For sure. So I think, uh, sometimes letting them make their initial, initial run and, um, you know obviously having a decent drag on them, but don't try to horse them. Do you do
0: you feel like there's a certain amount of tension that needs to be there for that circle hook to be, you know, punched through correctly? Um, that's a question I'm asking that for myself because it's like I'm yeah. I'm always trying to figure out if I've got it, my drag too tight or a little too loose or yeah. I
1: that, well, that's what that's that's one thing. I mean, especially if you if you know you're in an area with bigger fish. Um, you know, their mouse, you know, they're pretty tough mouse. You got, you got to get that hook in there pretty good. Um, but no, I don't, I, I mean, I keep a sharp hook on, I mean, I retie hooks all the time. I mean, I have a little, little finger test. I do, I poke myself in the finger and, you know, um, I retie, I put sharp hooks on all the time. I think that's important.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh,
1: Cause I think you catch one fish, it, you know, you're dragging across horses that, that thing dulls up pretty quick on you, so
0: Yeah, that tacky point man is I think pretty crucial. Uh, yeah,
1: I'm bend over on you and yeah.
0: Yeah, I agree. It, it's it's man, it's it's fun to kind of break down all the all the little nuances of bait fishing because there's it, it you can get it wrapped up in your head, like, oh you just throw it out there and sit there and, you know, wait for a fish to eat it. But you know, you can you can definitely up your chances, you can definitely hook more of those fish. When you yeah. got a client holding a rod, what is? How do you tell them? Like, what's the breakdown of? Like, all right, you got you get a bite. This is what I need you to do.
1: Yeah, so I mean, I I kind of let them do their thing. I do, t- you know, I inform them that it's a circle hook and all, but um, that's you don't really have to set the hook. You know, that drum's pretty much going to rip it out of your hands. You know, if it's of any size. But um, I just like it. St- I just like. You know, I like to let the fish tighten the line up for sure. Yeah. Um, unless I feel like he's running at me or something. That's never a good thing. When nah. he runs me. With a circle is, hook especially. I I I've I've, uh, I've lost many a fish when it when it I like him to run away from you. Know? Right. right. <laughs> and uh, you know, you let him you let him tighten up the rod and I mean, I, I don't do any hooks at I I lift up with some pressure. And you know, that's you know, that's usually when the drag starts Feeling off a little bit, and you know, very rarely after that first run do you lose a you lose a, a drum on a, a four alt circle hook.
0: Yeah, I agree. Me.
1: What's um, your
0: uh, what's your brand as far as your circle hook goes that you like?
1: I like the uh, I use the Gamagatsu four uh, four-alt. Octopus Circle. Um, I know they make like a like an inline Octopus Circle or something now, but. Um, yeah, I use a regular four four all. You know, in the winter time, you know, if I'm throwing mud minnows, I might slim down to a three, just cause that, you know, for that 19, 20 inch fish. Right. Um, but usually a three or four. Um, definitely a four for the bigger fish, for the upper slot and even over slots. I mean, you throw a, throw a two or three on there, and that that upper slot'll, will, will break it. Yeah, for know, sure. Mean enough
0: i also think too it can it can have a lot to do with like the size the size of the bait that i'm fishing if i've got if i've got a bigger pogey or something like that or a bigger mullet and i got too small of a hook i feel like that hook up you know the ability for that hook to catch is less yeah Um, but then also i'm like i don't want him to have a big old freaking massive piercing hanging out of his nose like does that affect the fish wanting to eat it Uh, but but i think that having that hook you know prominently yeah. Large or that that gap showing well in your
1: bait in your bait is is pretty. Yeah, I I don't think you can really have too big of a hook, especially if you're throwing like a mid or something like that. Yeah, if he's there and won't eat it, he's gone. He's gonna get it. What's your uh your preference of live bait? Like if you're
0: if you could go catch what if you could have one? Actually, let's do this first. If you could have one bait like for the day, what would it be?
1: Um. I mean, I'd say mullet. It's hard to beat the mullet when I can get it. Yeah. I, mean, I, I haven't, I haven't it any this year yet. You know, you're starting to see them. Um, just the small ones, though. Um, the dang, the dang I'll, ones that you
0: throw on a school of thirty of them and you get one. Like you, you wrap up a school of thirty and you get one or two.
1: Yeah, I uh, I haven't even tried it yet because. Seems like the the pogies have kind of. You know, I was catching a lot of my bigger fish, you know, in April and May on pogies. Yeah. Um you know, a lot of the smaller fish on the min on the uh on the mud minnows. But um I mean in the summertime you can't beat a a mullet. No. Um and you're starting to see the you know, you're starting to see the summer fish show up, like the sharks. Caught more stingrays in the past week, you know. Um and it seems like I mean the sharks love the mint and they like to come up and bite that thing in half and leave you with a leave you with a head so i know
0: man they're like they're so dang picky i don't know why they don't just eat the head too
1: it's uh man i've, I've done better on the mud here in the past week have you uh, yeah and i mean there's a lot of a lot of smaller fish you know down there right now a lot of 18 19 inch fish which is i mean fine with me i love seeing it um but um yeah, the minnow bite seems to have slowed down a little bit. I don't know. I don't know why. It's just maybe there's more bait starting to show up, so they're a little pickier. Yeah. But um, you know
0: what's so crazy, man? It's like every time I clean a redfish, at least yeah. the past year, I've been really cutting their stomach open and looking what what's in their stomach.
1: Yeah.
0: And and trying to fish what is in their stomach more for bait. Yeah. And the crazy thing is, it's usually if it's a bait fish, it's like always a croaker or a spot. It seems like like a small croaker or spot. I will see minnow and mullet, and sometimes you'll you'll cut one open. You'll catch him out like a you know a, a larger point later, a yep. later in the summer, and he's got like fifteen mullet in his stomach. Like he's like he's a mullet eater. He's he's hanging out in a mullet area. But the the one yep. thing that every freaking redfish has in its stomach are those mud crabs, the mud crabs yep. from the oyster bars, which is and they're so hard to fish in so many scenarios. But like. Those fish eat the piss out of those mud crabs. I mean, they find those mud crabs and eat them. Um,
1: that, I mean, is that, I mean a mud crab. I mean, is it any different than a fiddler crab, really? Or is so it...
0: I didn't know anything about a mud crab until last year. Um, I, I thought it's it's not a fiddler crab. It looks like a stone crab, but it's brown. And they lit, okay. if you go to an oyster bar at low tide and start flipping oyster rocks over, you'll, yeah, you'll see mud crabs on her. A lot of them. No, so. no claws, right? No, no claws. No, they have claws. They, they, they look. They. I mean, you would think it's a stone crab. It looks exactly like a stone crab, but it's brown. Um, and I, I've i really enjoyed fishing them. And I fished them under a float actually before, but that was up around Wrightsville Beach, just floating them through a group of redfish that was really picky. But like, they're really good on like docks or like fishing vertically or like on the jetty. It's it's you can't fish them in this scenario that you and I like to fish like. At least I haven't yeah. found a way to fish them in the scenario that how you and I like to fish. Um, but but that's just been crazy to me because it's like, you know, you see, you catch them on top waters, you catch them on jig heads, you catch them on minhaden. But then I cut a fish open and like I don't see it. But but my, my buddy brought this point up too. He was like, well, maybe the minhaden and the mullet, you know, break down in their stomachs way quicker. And so yeah. the, the crab is what's staying there, which I think that's probably, there's a good bit of truth to that. Um, yeah. But I'm with you. I think a mullet is, key. if I can get like a good five inch mullet or four inch yep. mullet, that's king. Because I think the activity that it has on the end of the line on that hook is way better. Uh, how big is too big? Like if you be throwing a bunch of pogies or a bunch of mullet.
1: Man, the pogies, it seems like I like the smaller, the smaller pogies if I can find them. Um,
0: smaller being like two to three inches.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, three inches for sure. Three inches. Um, once they start, you know, not I'm, I'm not talking about like the king mackerel ones that you see, but they start getting seem like they get a little bit. Like you stick you stick that in your water, you're like, good god, that thing's like six, seven <laughs> inches long. <laughs> I feel like it's a little too big of a bait, and it may be, um, but yeah, I like the four three to four inch pogie. Yeah. Feel um, like that's a good good size, um, and then mullet. I mean, in the fall of the year you know once october or september rolls around you know the mullet you know start getting bigger and bigger i mean i think you can throw a six seven inch mullet yeah you know that's a year i don't i guess it seems like the fish are just more aggressive um and it, there's so much lizard fish around i feel like if you throw a bigger bait on you know if you're dock fishing or something like that a lot of times you know it'll hang out down there
0: a little bit longer,
1: longer longer than a four or five inch mullet
0: would the one thing i found about when i can't get the smaller bait and i'm fishing those bigger baits is you'll catch some flounder. i mean the flounder like those big old baits like a massive poke. you're like god this is too big but i'm running low i'm gonna see if a redfish will eat this and you pitch it out there and you catch like a it might be a big flounder but sometimes it's like a 18 inch flounder, you know, 20 yeah. inch flounder on a seven inch pogie or something like that. But yeah. those fish, I mean, when they really, when you see them open their mouths, they're massive. It makes sense why they eat such a big bait. But yeah, um, yeah I've been catching
1: flounder. I've been catching
0: some flounder. Not, I haven't really targeted them much. Um, yeah. And I've been fishing a lot of chunk bait in the river. Like uh, I've been catching pogies and then cutting them up. I don't know why. It's funny how you'll get on these little runs of like where your confidence is. Cause yeah. it, it, like a couple of weeks ago, I was fishing live pogies and cutting some up and fishing them beside it, and I caught like three fish to one on the chunk pogies. And I started like just chunking it, and now I've like mentally blocked from fishing a live pogie personally. But I like I, I skunked on my um, redfish the other day. Like caught no redfish, was fishing chunk pogie the whole time, four hour afternoon trip, and we caught some black drum, caught a couple of trout, but. I was like, after my trip, I, you know, if I, if I struggle like that and, and I have, you know, I've got days where I catch no fish and, and, yeah. and every, I mean, anyone that fishes any consistently, yeah. like there's going to be yeah. those days for sure. Yeah. Um, but the, uh, I'm like, why did I not fish some live baits? You know? And, and so you can get, you can definitely get sucked into, you know, a pattern or a rhythm, um, it happens to everybody, and, and and change. You know, being willing to like, you know, try something different or change it, or like, okay, this was my confidence, but it's obviously now my crutch. Yeah. It's it's hurting
1: me. Uh, so when you when you throw those, chunks, I mean, you're talking about just cutting the head, cutting the tail, and using the middle section. Using the middle
0: section and throw it out there.
1: So how how often do you do you change that out? Because I mean, I actually started. I actually watched the podcast you had, which I enjoyed that one. It was the uh, guy that you did dock fishing. I think Rising Sun or yeah, whatever yeah. yeah, Pierre. So uh, that I, I enjoyed that podcast, but he was talking about the you know cutting the heads and cutting the tails. I mean, it works, man. It, it really does. It does um, work. It gets imagine, that
0: scent going a little bit.
1: Yeah. Um. Imagine the river. You know, a little dirtier water. That probably helps. You know, scent. Scent's probably a, a key factor.
0: I th- I think um, it's just like, I think the important thing is having the diversity out there. Kind of let yeah. the fish tell you what they want to eat, but but sometimes it doesn't matter. Like you're gonna get one on a live pogie, and you're gonna catch one on a piece of blue crab, and you're gonna catch one on a you know on a chunk pogie. But yeah. I do like the the chunk pogie because I think the scent gets out of there, and it, it's a good bait to chunk fish with here because we got so many croakers and pinfish this time of year. Uh, yeah. That pogie with that kind of tough skin, they'll eat the meat out of it, but it'll it'll be you know out there fishy enough for a little bit unless a big croaker okay. comes by and rips it off but like the little fish can't take away all the meat from it too quick is what it feels like yeah. um like a mud minnow uh, like a, if i you know fish a dead mud minnow or something like that it seems like they can rip it apart pretty quick but um, yeah. the pogie chunk holds up a little bit so
1: yeah yeah i hadn't thrown i hadn't i hadn't cut them up every now and then i'll try you know i'll try to chum a little bit yeah I, if I got it, you know, heck yeah. Um, just throw a few pieces out there at least, and see if I can get them going.
0: Man, I did you a know? podcast with it. Oh, sorry, I interrupted you. What you were
1: saying? No, Go ahead. I was done.
0: I did a podcast with a dude up in the Chesapeake Bay who who does a lot of he like pretty much only fishes fly and light tackle, but yeah. throws a cast net every single day and and blacks his live well out with with small pogies yeah. and uses them to chum. And oh, yeah. get So he'll get, like, up current on a bank and pitch, like, 30 pogies out on it and get the fish <laughs> popping on it and then throw, like, a topwater fly in there and catch them. I'm like, I, I think you could do that here. I, mean, I, I think they've got, you know, yeah. up there they've got those grass flats and stuff, like, kind of almost like Texas and whatnot with light current going over it where that scenario kind of plays out a little bit better. But
1: uh, Yeah, I got I got a couple of areas that, I, that I've tried it before, you know, up current and just – I mean, some people take like a wiffle ball bat and just cut them up and stinking, and chunk them out there and let them float into that strike zone. But you don't—I guess you don't want to overfeed them. But I don't know if you can do that. I mean, they'll—they'll
0: they'll just keep gorging, man. Free yeah, free pil- free pogies flying in the air and no hooks attached. They're probably just loving it. Uh, oh yeah, I know. I get that like almost that feeling though, I'm like. How is he going to find mine? Like, you know, there's all, now there's all these pieces of bait out there. How's he going to find mine? But it definitely works. I I think too, if you were like chumming, you you had a really good area and you chummed and you had the cork and you could kind of pop it and draw some attention to your bait, I think that could be pretty, pretty dilly. And when I did that podcast, that was this winter, I think.
1: Yeah.
0: I was like, dude, I'm doing that this summer and I haven't done it once. I'm going to go catch a bunch of two inch pogies, like a little too small to use for bait and chum with them like crazy. Um, just
1: see just try it I just mean, it try can't it hurt. no it can't it's hurt.
0: not gonna hurt it could get those dang laughing goals going crazy which those things have been sucking yeah. lately
1: <laughs> oh yeah no yeah. they've been diving all over my baits man
0: yeah they'll pick it up and swim off with it a little bit oh yeah especially fishing the pogie on the court because they'll kind of come up around the surface a little oh yeah bit.
1: yeah because that split shot i mean that split shot very rarely keeps the pogie down um but you're in such, you know, you're in two, three foot of water. If that fish is in the area, he'll come up on top water and eat the pogie. you know. Oh, it yeah, it.
0: definitely. Um, it's always fun, I too. To when
1: I try to throw about three split shots on there usually. And yeah.
0: Are you running them right on the hook or do you run them up, up the line a little bit?
1: I run them up a little bit. Yeah. Um, a lot of times they slide around. I don't think that plays too much of a factor.
0: No, um, I don't either, especially in, in that dirtier water.
1: Yeah, it's more so just getting a little bit of weight. You know, I, get, I think getting a little bit of weight for the casting on that, on the cork.
0: Definitely. Definitely, it's uh, it helps for sure. And so that's always a fun one to coach people into is like if they haven't thrown a, a cork rig like that before, because they'll if you come and try to you know whip cast a cork, it just tumbles so bad. Yeah. So you're like, all right, bring that rod tip back, we let it settle in, and then as soon as all it right, stops swinging, then you, you then you fire it all forward momentum. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I, a lot of people like to cast over the hand. I I never throw popping cork over the head. I mean, if you You're throw off it to like the, side. the head. yeah, I usually go to the side or backhand. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, it's true. Yeah, you can you definitely try.
0: whack yourself in the head.
1: <laughs> yeah, you throw a menhaden like that, and you whip a menhaden, and he's he's coming off the hook. Yeah,
0: that's very true.
1: Um, I mean, you can throw the mud. You know how you can throw a mudman as a country mile.
0: The little aerodynamic spaceships is what they are.
1: Man, they're they're little things. I swear,
0: they really are. Well, man,
1: I can't hate on them. Though. You can't what? I can't hate on them. Though. I I do hate on them sometimes, but they uh
0: they've saved my day a lot of times.
1: They have, for sure. They
0: really have. I I lose confidence in them a little bit when it gets into the summer and a little bit dirtier. But I mean, if you're if you're if you've done your homework and you know where the fish are sitting, I mean, they'll eat them when i'm like scrambling though running around trying to figure out where some fish are you know something a little bigger or a little smellier is usually the ticket to, to kind of help lure them in. but um well is there anything else we're at an hour actually so is there anything else um, that that you could think of that we missed talk about top water or not top water high tide
1: bait fishing or anything like that yeah um no i mean just getting out there and covering water um you know, bouncing around, hitting a spot, 10, 15 minutes, you know, if they're, if they're in an area, you know, and they're feeding, you'll, you'll find them. I mean, um, but yeah, just bounce around, you know, try new stuff. Like you've said a a thousand times, you know, try not to fish off a history. Yeah. It'll hurt you. It'll Um, definitely
0: hurt you. Use it, but don't let it,
1: don't let it, you know,
0: ruin you that day.
1: Exactly. Um, and I mean you're starting to see mullet around now, so you know, I, I definitely like banks. You know, banks and points where I'm starting to see some bait working. Yeah. Um since it's starting to, you know, it's starting to show up now. But um yeah, I think I think we covered most of it, man.
0: Yeah, I think we did. I think we did, man. That's uh that was a good motivation to me to start fishing live pogies again <laughs> because I've been on that chunk pogey game and it's been kinda of kicking me in the butt, but Man, I appreciate you, uh, you coming on. We'll definitely have to do another podcast, and uh, oh yeah, maybe do one at the. En- It'd be kind of fun to do one at the end of the year when the tournaments are done, the local tournaments, and kind of do like a little tournament recap podcast. I think that'd be fun.
1: Yeah. Uh,
0: for real well, cool. I'm gonna link all of Mason stuff on the show notes for the podcast, as well as, um, as well as the. Uh, I'm pulling up your 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 main screen right here, as well as on YouTube. Um, but for those of y'all listening. Um, it's cap it was captain mason porter we had on it on instagram it's grand underscore slam underscore inshore underscore charters if you want to check him out on instagram but i'll have his website linked and everything like that um uh, man thanks so much for coming on and uh we'll definitely have to do it again if we if we both get some free time maybe go do some <laughs> yeah. fishing together
1: yes yes fall fall of the year is a good time for that fall and winter really
0: yeah definitely definitely right now it's yeah. uh you got to make money while it's sunny is what i always say
1: I love the podcast, though, man. I, I haven't watched all of them, but I, I tune in every now and then to learn a, learn a few things, refresh refresh the memory a little bit.
0: <laughs> yeah, man. It's uh,
1: I, That's why
0: I love it so much. The amount that I've learned on here um, and the relationships that I've built, it, it's been you know just super, super good for, for, for me. Like I, I've learned. I guarantee you more than anyone else that listens to this podcast, so. Yeah, uh, exactly. I don't go back and listen to them really, but that's because I've, you know, I'm, I'm keeping it all in my head right here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and so, I, and I hate the way I sound when I listen to it. So that's really the main reason. But, uh, but man, thanks so much, uh, you guys. Like I said, that was Mason Porter, uh, Grand Slam Charters here in Wilmington. It, Grand Slam Charters, yeah, here in Wilmington. Yeah. Um,
1: Rice will beats the pretty much Rice will beats the Oak Island.
0: That's the that's where you want to be fishing. So so hit
1: him up if y'all want to get out there and do some fishing.
0: And uh, man, thanks again. And we will see y'all next week later.